Hello, everyone. Welcome to Step Into Magic, your weekly online radio show on how to develop your psychic ability, deepen your spirituality, and find your own true purpose. Presented by acclaimed medical intuitive, Josephine Lang, this broadcast is part of the Wisdom and Intuition Network. You can Cindy Silva. I'm filling in for Tony Taylor, who's usually your host, but he's visiting his parents in England for the holidays. Hello, Tony, if you're listening. On behalf of Josephine and Tony, I'll be taking your calls and questions. This week's topic is Tending to Our Energy, Clearing and Balancing Our Subtle Body. For anyone new to our show, Josephine has been a clairvoyant healer for more than 25 years. During that time, she has helped thousands of people from around the world to heal from hard-to-diagnose and chronic health issues. She's also been a teacher and a spiritual mentor for hundreds of people who treasure her insights, courage, and love. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much, Cindy. It was lovely to hear you start our show. Oh, it's a pleasure. (laughs) Good. And I'd just like to welcome everyone from around the world and across North and South America. So nice to know that you're all listening. And um, I wish you all a really happy holiday season this year. We all celebrate the return of the light in our own way, you know, be it Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or the winter solstice or Christmas time. And it's just such a pleasure to have you joining us as we, you know, acknowledge our love for one another, which is what we generally do at this time of the the year, and also acknowledge the love that we all share as our, you know, beautiful planet makes another turn around in its great cycle around the sun. So... And tonight we're going to be taking a look into the subtle energies of our own bodies, the chakras, the Chinese meridians, the auras, and other energetic systems. These all greatly influence our health and our well-being. And although these ideas and thoughts are newly emerging as a science of study here in the West, many of these ideas have been known in the East, in Eastern cultures, and in the healing arts for thousands of years. When we attend to the proper balance and maintenance of our internal energetic climate, we clear ourselves and help ourselves to calm our busy days. And this is especially helpful during the holiday season, which can be stressful sometimes. You know, Many of us are traveling and there are colds going around and what with all the hustle and bustle of the season, we can get a little overwhelmed. So tonight we're going to be exploring ways in which we can easily improve our feelings of well-being by attending to these subtle energy systems in our bodies. But before I go into this topic any further, I always like to begin our show with a spiritual agreement, which was a gift to me from my friend and teacher, Jana Massey. And I'd love it if you can all join me in making this agreement right now. It goes like this. Together, we acknowledge that everything that we think, that we say, and that we do at this time will be of the highest good. And together we ask for truth, the understanding of that truth, and the wisdom to use it in our lives. Can you all agree? I do. Thank you, Cindy, and thank you, everyone. Thank you, Josephine. How wonderful. You know, there's so many people tuning into your show on a regular basis, your regular listeners and a lot of new listeners. I'd like to share a few comments from our regular listeners or people who have tuned in in the past for the benefit of our new listeners to get an idea of the kind of uh, feedback that you're receiving. Would that be okay? That would be great. I would love it. Okay, great. I'd love to read these. This is a beautiful message from Lee. She says, Josephine, I'd like to express my gratitude. Reverence for Life has been described by Albert Schweitzer as the philosophic premise that guides every thought and action from the most inward to the most outer. It encompasses the earth and includes much more. This is what I feel when I listen to your show, Reverence for Life. You embody reverence for life in an ever larger sense than reverence for earth. She says, have a great show tonight. Loving you, Lee. Oh, thank you, Lee, so much. And it's really true. That is what I feel and what I, you know, what my heart opens up to is this amazing life that we all share and that we're all surrounded by all the time. So thank you for noticing that and sharing that beautiful comment. One thing, so much. 
Yes, what a beautiful message. And Amalia also very grateful sharing. She says, hello, sisters and brother souls out there. This is a message to everyone listening. I'm profoundly grateful to Josephine, Tony, and Cindy for having this wonderful radio program. It feels to me a positive and happy environment where many of us come to share our stories, experiences from our hearts with joy and tears. Oh. Yeah, there's more. (laughs) I see it. (laughs) I know. There's more goodness. I see it as coming to a big party in the air where we feed our minds, hearts, and bodies. Thank you all for creating and offering this great opportunity to help each other in this live experience. Gracias from Amalia. And Party every week. We get to come together and celebrate these wonderful new progressive ideas that are really helping us to make a shift in our whole consciousness. And it's really mm-hmm. great. It's exciting and fun. Yeah, and I know you take it a little step further. You actually do celebrate after every show. I do. <laughs> it's a lovely thing to do. A nice little ritual that you have that's beautiful. I want yeah. to share one more quick message from Anna, and then we'll move into the program. But she's just very enthusiastic in her comments and always very generous and saying, hello, lovely, lovely show. She's just really thrilled. It was such a great show. She felt like she was on a tour bus and that you were explaining the world to her. Her favorite part was at the Fern Spring and the chakras around the world. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I I enjoy that part, too. It's such an interesting thing to think about the chakras in our bodies and then the chakras in the world as well. As above, so below, you know, the microcosm and the macrocosm. We're all one. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. Thank you, Anna, so much. <laughs> yes, thank you all for those comments. And it's true, Josephine is like our tour guide, taking us on a journey each week. And I'm excited to let you take over and continue the journey tonight where you would like to take us with our vast imaginations. Yes, indeed. Well, today we're going to go, you know, last week we were sort of out in the world, and today we're going to go to the world inside our bodies and in in our own energetic fields of our individual beings. And I'd like to start with the meridians. This is a very ancient study. And Chinese medicine is basically based on the meridians. And I'm sure that all of you have heard of acupuncture and are familiar with acupressure points and acupuncture points. And they travel in lines in the body. And they tend to run from the... either like the tips of the hands up to the central core of the body, either the tips of the fingers, or the tips of the toes up to the central core of the body. Or they might run from the central core of the body down to the tips of the fingers, or from the central core of the body down to the tips of the toes, or from the head to the toes. (laughs) So they tend to run in long lines. And there's usually, you know, between 10 and 27 or however many points there might be on each meridian. And those meridian points can also be, you know, how if you've ever had a massage and you're feeling around, you know, as the masseuse is sort of rubbing certain spots, there might be particularly sore places where you're like, oh, wow. You know, well, that would most likely be a meridian point on one of the meridians. And you can tell how the body health is doing by how the body meridian is doing. And if you look at a meridian cycle, which they are pretty widely available on the Internet, if you just type in the meridian cycle, you're liable to find a series of pictures, which would be 12 different images of a body, locate, of a person, you know, located around the, like the a circle, like the hands of a clock. And you can see that there are different meridians for different parts of the body, like, for instance, at 12 noon or midnight, as the case may be, is the heart meridian, which runs from basically each of the nipples down to the baby finger. And then the small intestine is the next one at like 1 or 3 o'clock, and that runs from the baby finger up to the up the arm towards the ear and across the jaw. Or the bladder meridian, which runs over the top of the head and then down to the baby toe. Or the kidney meridian, which starts in the middle of the foot, circles the ankle bone, and then comes right up the midline of the chest and stops just below the clavicle. In fact, that's a pretty famous uh, meridian point, the 27th point on the kidney meridian. If you feel your clavicle bones 
right where they meet in the front of your body, just above your sternum, just at the base of your neck. There's a couple of nice bones that go across the body. And if you go to where they meet, uh, at the base in the center of the neck, and then you come down just a little bit below that bone, and you kind of dig in right there, they're just there's between the rib and the clavicle bone, you might find a little sore spot. And that is where the end point, kidney meridian, is. And that meridian point is particularly important because a lot of the uh, energy for the general energy for the body and several of the other meridians runs through that point. And so it's one of those ones that you can tap for, like if you put both hands on each point, because the points um, are, the meridians are equal left and right side of the body. So if it's going to be the heart meridian, like I mentioned, running from the nipples to the baby fingers, there's going to be two of them, one on each arm. Or same with the small intestine, running from the baby fingers up the up the back of the arm, up to the ear, or the the bladder meridian running over the top of the head and down to the baby toe. There's going to be one on each side. And the same with the kidney meridian. And so you have these two, what's called K27, the 27th point on the kidney meridian. And if you tap that K27, that is one of those energy jump starters. And so it's a great thing to do when you're feeling a little flagging energy or you need just need a little bit of a pick-me-up, you can tap K27 which is just below the clavicles, right in the center of the body, and there's two points, two K27 points, and you can tap them. Another little energy thing that you can do is thymus thumping, where you thump, you know, the Tarzan. Oh, <laughs> that's a great one, too. But anyway, proceeding with the meridian cycle on around, there's all of these nice lines that travel up and down the body, and they can be used to help um, they, to help us move our energy in a good way if we work in harmony with those meridian lines. So one of the things that we can do is we can trace those meridians with our fingers just to just run our hands up the meridian line. Or we can uh, visit an acupuncturist or an acupressure massage therapist and they can work those meridians as well. One of the things that I've done is in terms of jet lag, if you travel to a new country that's in a different time zone or a new place on your own country that's in a different time zone, all the other people will be running a different meridian from you because the meridians run in every two-hour cycle. So like I mentioned, midnight for the heart cycle, 1 to 3 p.m. for the, I mean, noon for the heart cycle, 1 to 3 p.m. for the small intestine, the bladder um, at 3 to 5 p.m., the kidney at 5 to 7 p.m., and on around the, the clock it goes. And if you do travel to a new location and everybody else is running a different meridian from you because you've just come from a different time zone, you can experience a more profound jet lag. But if you settle down into your hotel room or your wherever you're staying for just a few minutes when you first arrive and then redraw your meridian cycles running through the whole clock of meridians, which only takes a minute or two, you can reset your times your own body meridians to be in harmony with the body meridians of everyone around you. And that does make the jet lag much less noticeable. So that's just another little aside on meridians. That's kind of a fun thing to know about. There's one more story that I'd like to share with you about meridians. And this one happened to a woman that I know. She was attending a workshop and somebody in the workshop actually had a heart attack and they were expiring and there were a couple of doctors in the room and they quickly jumped into action and they began to try everything that they could they were sort of pumping the guy's heart and doing what they could for him but they weren't having much luck and things were looking kind of grim and there was a young boy who happened to be in the class who was very intuitive and who knows maybe he'd had a past life as a Chinese healer but in any case he stood up and he walked over to the dying man and then just with that presence that can sometimes happen in magical moments, the doctors saw him coming and they were realizing they were feeling senses of futility and they just kind of allowed him to just approach and the boy came and picked up the man's two hands, the dying man's two hands, and placed the dying man's baby fingers in his mouth, in the boy's mouth. And then he chomped down on them with his molars and those baby finger points, those tips of those baby fingers, he bit down really hard, and the man jumped back to life. It restarted his heart, and it just so happens that it's the baby fingers that are where the 
heart meridian ends. And the heart meridian starts at the heart and it ends at the baby fingers. And by chomping down on those baby fingers, he really activated that heart meridian and sent energy to the heart, and it started his heart just as if they had used electric paddles on him. So that was kind of an interesting story. <laughs> and uh, one last little thing I want to say about the meridians is that there are the two meridians that go up the midpoint of the body. They are called the central and the governing meridian. And the central is the front side of the body and the governing is the back side of the body. And they run from the perineum, which is the, the little space that's just between the anus and either the vagina or the testes in a man. And they run from that little space, that little area of skin between the anus and, that, and our sexual organs either up the back side of the body for the governing meridian, straight up the spine and right over the top of the head to the upper lip, or if it's the central meridian, it runs from the perineum right up the front side of the body, straight up the midline of the body to the lower lip. And that, when we run those meridians in that direction, which probably all of you who are listening just now followed me with your thoughts, because we're all telepathic and we sort of see these things. And so um, up go those meridians, and that's like zipping ourselves up. It's like adding an extra security or a layer of protection. And you know how when you walk by a, if you're a woman and you walk by a construction zone, sometimes the construction workers will give the little cat call of the whistle, you know, and... Um, and then they, there's a tendency to sort of look you up and look you down. As, you know, and, and that unzips your meridian, and that's part of why that feels so uncomfortable and disconcerting from the woman's point of view. It's a, it's a very off-balancing experience. And so whenever you have an experience where someone has sort of looked you up and looked you down, you want to just zip yourself up, no matter who you are, man or woman. So that's a good little thing to keep in mind. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, have you had any yeah, thoughts? When you're, yeah. yeah. When you were speaking about the the rhythms and traveling and so forth, is that are you referring to the circadian rhythms? The circadian rhythms are very similar. The circadian rhythms are like these little two-hour intervals of time where we have rest periods, and so they probably do harmonize with the meridians. So I haven't exactly looked to see if they are in direct uh, alignment with them, but they probably are. Mm. Yeah, isn't that an interesting thing? That's yeah, a good point, um, Cynthia. I'll have to research that a little bit and see if it is in alignment. Yeah, they probably are. You know, these things I'd are all tied together. Yeah, sure. it, the circadian rhythms are kind of like that. Um, I think of school children. You know, you get up in the morning, eight o'clock. You, you know, well, first of all, so six o'clock, you get up and you get dressed. You kind of have a kind of a little bit of you're by yourself. You're getting ready, and then eight o'clock, you meet all the school children. There's sort of an uptime for a couple of hours, and then you have a little break at ten o'clock. You know, for half an hour, and then you come back up again for more study and learning until lunch at noon, and then you have another little break, and then you come back up again for more studying until 2 o'clock when you come back, you know, have a little recess or a break again or get out of school or something, and then you go back up again for another little bit of time, and then you have a break at the end of the day at 5 o'clock, and then you rise back up again for, you know, just before dinner time, and then you have a little break at dinner time. <laughs> and that's sort of how I think of those as being, a little more of that sort of that roundy round that we do during the day. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's helpful to know that. Yeah. And so now I'd like to talk about our auras just a little bit. And our auras, um, we can do a, a, an aura cleansing on ourselves. A lot of times I like to ask people to Place their palms of their hands together and then briskly rub them to kind of get them warmed up. And then if you pull your hands apart and you start to bring them close to each other, it can feel like if you're really sensitive and paying attention, like the air gets just a little thick between the hands. And then this is especially effective to do if you close your eyes and you can sort of feel a slight thickness in the air as you bring your hands together. And uh, that's the way that we can do an aura cleansing. We can... Do this with our friends, and I certainly encourage you to. It's a lot of fun to do, to have one person sit down and another person to rub their hands together, and then with the person's, your friend's permission, to go ahead and allow your hands to move into their auric space and just feel how their aura feels. 
And sometimes parts of the aura will feel a little thick and other parts might feel a little thin. And we can go ahead and, and pull the air around a person's body to help heal the aura, to kind of pull some of the thicker areas into a thin spot to make it a little thicker or smooth out a thicker area to make it a little smaller and smooth it out into the other thinner spots. And it's kind of a fun thing to play around with, so I encourage you to enjoy a little aura cleansing. And then uh, some years ago I stumbled upon a workbook by a man named Gabriel Bain, and it's The Discovery of Auras. And he went on to write a, a beautiful book that I think was called Living Rainbows, and in it, he talks about, you know, some people are born with natural psychic gifts of various sorts, and he was born with a good capacity for seeing rainbows, and for seeing auras. And you hear about this in kids from time to time, about how, Mommy, you know, did you see the colors around that person? Or, ooh, their colors were so pretty. And it's a lovely psychic skill, and it's one that we can learn, and that's what Gabriel Bain, B-A-I-N, um, is sort of his forte, Within his book, Living Rainbows, goes into a full description of how to do this. And what I learned from his little workbook, which was called The Discovery of Auras, was how you can use cards of white white cardstock or white paper, and you can draw, say, a triangle on in the middle, a pretty good-sized triangle, and on one paper, and you can draw a square on another paper, and maybe a circle on another paper and then maybe a half moon or something or a crescent moon on another paper. And you can fill them in with various colors using a marking pen or something. And when you put a color onto the paper, like let's say you put red onto the onto the circle, and then you hold it up to a white wall or a white background of some sort, maybe a white ceiling in your home, and you just allow your eyes to look at that red circle with a soft gaze, pretty soon you'll start to see a slight green halo around it, the opposite color of red. And you'll see this sort of color begin to show up around it. And then, like let's say if you were looking at the blue square, you would see a yellow square around it as a halo. Um, Or, I'm sorry, orange, because blue and orange are opposites. Or if you were looking at a violet um, half moon, then you would see a yellow and vice versa, if you were looking at a yellow half moon, you would see a violet, sort of a, a halo around it. And that's how we can begin to teach ourselves how to see. And I guess the true color for blue is cyan, and the true color for, which is sort of a blue turquoise, and the true color for red is a magenta. But in any case, you can go ahead and take a look, and then there's yellow, and those are the three primaries, the cyan, magenta, and yellow. But you can take a look at these colors on these cards and allow your soft vision to begin to enliven your auric visual capacity. And then after you've practiced that for, you know, a month or two or however long you want to, you can ask a friend to sit against a white wall. And when I first did this, I only got a sort of a white halo with my soft vision around the backside of my friend. But as I practiced more and more, I began to be able to see colors. And the first color that I was able to see was green. And I mostly saw green on everybody that I practiced with for a little while. But then as I got better and better, I started to see other colors as well. And what I'd like to do, if if it would be all right with you, is I'd like to go ahead and, and have a little exercise right now where we just feel our own colors inside of ourselves. And so this is one we'll do with our eyes closed. And so um, go ahead and get comfortable. And you don't want to do this if you're driving a car. (laughs) But take a couple of relaxed and easy breaths. And then just close your eyes. And just see if you can feel what colors might be inside of your own body. It might be just one color that you feel predominantly. Or it might be several colors. And just notice where they are. And trust the very first impression that comes to you. Even if it's just a word rather than an actual sensing of the color. That's okay too. And then if you can sense a color in your body, sense the size of it. How much of your body is that color covering? And then is it changing a little? Or staying the same? 
and then just let yourself gradually come back to your normal waking consciousness. You might want to move your arms and legs a little bit and open your eyes. And then come fully back into yourself with your normal waking consciousness. That's a very nice little uh, exercise to do because it really does help to engage our psychic ability and it, it stimulates our clairvoyant function, which is a really beautiful thing. So, Cindy, maybe you can show our next slide here. And this is a quote from the American fashion designer Rachel Roy. And she said, Someone's energy and aura and soul are so much more important. They don't compare to what you have on, which is really something coming from a fashion designer, to really acknowledge that it's the person's energy, their aura, and their soul that's so important. So we do. We all project our auras, and we feel it, and we feel it in others as well. Hmm. I feel it. Like I, I know there's a there are particular colors when I wear. I feel better. I yeah. feel more more like myself. Yeah. And I also get compliments from others that this color looks good on me. So I've I've purchased garments that are of that shade, and um, it does feel like there's more congruency in my energy when I'm wearing the colors that are particularly uh, a signature of my soul, I would say. Oh, that's great. That's a wonderful way to look at it. That's <laughs> beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so now I'll go into the chakra system just a little bit. And um, maybe you can show that next slide for us, Cindy. This is a Thank you, Frank, so much for making these beautiful slides for us today. And this one is of a woman, and you can see that at the base of her body is the first chakra, that's the root, and the color there is red. And these are just like the colors of a rainbow, going up a rainbow, If you look, or a prism. If you look at a prism, the light coming from a prism, you'll see that the colors actually have a gradation. That So red gradually becomes orange, and then orange gradually becomes yellow, and yellow gradually becomes green, and green gradually becomes blue, and then blue gradually becomes indigo or purple, and moving on to purple, and then gradually on up to violet. And so the same thing happens with the seven main chakra systems in our body. And of course, there are way more than seven chakras in our bodies. We actually have a chakra at every joint, So there's three chakras in every finger, and there's maybe 36 chakras in each foot, and there's chakras all over the place. But there are these main chakras that are a little bigger. They're about the size of a tennis ball, and they're generally spinning. And so at the root is the one that's red, and that's about our survival and our grounding. And then somewhere in the area of our sexual organs is the uh, color orange, and that's known as the sacral chakra. It's the creativity or the sexuality chakra. I think of my chakra being sort of near where my ovaries would be, a little bit lower in the pelvis and um, just above the root chakra. And I like to encourage everybody to sort of get a feeling for their own colors. There are going to be slight variations for each of us. Well, some people feel differently about that, but I feel that that there are slight variations. And then I like for people to begin to get a feeling for their own exact placement for their chakras. Like, for instance, with the navel chakra, which is the third one at the solar plexus, some people see it a little higher than the navel, some people see it a little lower than the navel, some right at the navel. And this is our power center, and the color is yellow. Now, this is just one tradition. There are many traditions around the world, and some traditions don't see the rainbow colors at all, and that's just fine. It's all good. It doesn't really matter what what particular tradition and what you've learned. What's important is that you acknowledge that there are these energy centers in our bodies and that they can be felt. And at the heart, we have the color green, and this is the pure love. There are other traditions that see the heart as pink and still others that see it as gold. I sometimes see it as all three of those, usually one at a time. (laughs) And then at the throat, we have the fifth chakra, which is the color of sky blue, which is for clear communication. And then up at the sixth chakra is indigo, which is for vision. And that's the third eye. That's right between the eyebrows. 
And some of us have purple there. I myself have a little purple there instead of indigo. But we honor whatever color is right for you. And then up at the crown uh, is the color violet. Now on this particular slide, it shows the violet cover, color above the crown. For me, mine is actually inside of my head, and it's right inside, just below the top of my scalp. And then right above the seventh chakra, where the our evolvement, where the violet and inspiration is, um, I see the eighth chakra, which is a little bit larger than the size of a tennis ball. It's a little more like a, a sort of a softball size, or slightly, maybe even slightly larger than that. And it's a white light chakra. And that chakra has all of the colors of the rainbow in it, just a little bit of iridescence going on there. And so um, it's a wonderful thing to think of these chakras. And I have been practicing meditating on my chakras and have aligned my chakras with the colors and with the uh, musical scale of the notes of do, re, mi, fa, so, la, di, do. And also with some affirmations that I have that I use every day with my chakras. And I've been doing it for, gosh, probably 30 years now. And, you know, one time I attended a class with Donna Eden, who has since written a wonderful book called Energy Medicine. And in it, she checked all of the students, where well, there were about 30 of us, and she checked all of our chakras. And everybody had little chakra imbalances and things that needed to be attended to to kind of help the flow of energy through the chakras. Except for me. I actually was the only person who had a, a wonderfully balanced chakra system right from the start. And she was like, wow, this is great. And I was delighted by it. Um, you know, who who isn't happy if they've got a rainbow inside of them? <laughs> Makes us very joyous. And um, and she, it was particularly uh, beneficial for me to learn this because, you know, I said, well, I, I do do this little exercise running my chakras every day. And she said, well, that would explain it. And it was particularly nice for me to hear that because she'd had, a, there was a number of students in her class on energy medicine who had just attended a class, a five-day class on the chakras. And they'd been working on their chakras all week long intensively. And yet they didn't hold that, you know, complete balance, probably because they had just begun to, you know, work with their chakras. But it was really nice and very affirming for me to see that, ah, yes, this chakra routine that I do every day is indeed very, very helpful. So maybe you can show our next slide, Cindy, if you would. And this one says, Be thou the rainbow in the storms of life, the evening beam that smiles the clouds away and tints tomorrow with prophetic ray. And that's Lord Byron. That's a really nice thought, that when our chakras are aligned and balanced, it helps us to be a little more happy and joyous in life. And we can be that rainbow in the storms of life. We can help to you know, bring forth that ray of gold into the world. And so I invite you all to begin to play with your chakra systems and to experience uh, those colors in your mind's eye and in your imagination and those little balls of light about the size of a tennis ball spinning. And I... Mm. Aya has a comment about the chakras I'd like to read because I think it's important. Um, and she's very astute. In her comment, she says about the chakras, this sure needs attention. When we hold unforgiveness, we close our heart chakra to keep the anger from leaking out, and then we deny ourselves the opportunity to receive love from anyone else. We yeah. wither and become bitter old prunes. <laughs> oh, yeah, very true. Yeah, thank you very much for that comment, and it's true. We do need to um, open ourselves to forgiveness, and forgiveness do lack of forgiveness does very much close our heart chakra, and and prevents us from really opening to the love that we could open to in our lives. That's a very nice comment. Thank you so much for reading that out, Cindy. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was mentioning Donna Eden and her wonderful book, Energy Medicine, just a few minutes ago. And um, in her class, it was such a joy to take. We learned the cross-crawl, which is sort of like that marching in place, which really aligns our energy. We also did ear-pulling, tugging on our ears gently, of course, 
in like as if each ear was a clock and tugging at you know twelve o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, on around the clock to open our 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 minds so that we could receive more information. Whenever we she would look at us as a group and see that we were getting a little sleepy or tired, she'd have us stand up and march in place and then do a little gentle ear tugging. And she showed us how looking at parallel lines can weaken our energy system versus looking at a crossed line like an X can strengthen our energy system. And that's because our brain energy, as we know, our, our left brain moves down towards our right side of our body and our right brain moves down towards our left side of the body. And when we look at those cross lines, we get more um, more ability to <clears throat> function well in the world. And she had different postures. There was one called the Wayne Cook posture, W-A-Y-N-E, Cook, C-O-O-K posture, which really helped with stuttering and dyslexia. And that's available, Information, more information on that on the Internet. Because it's really remarkable how people who were, you know, lifelong stutterers would assume this one position where you sit with your legs crossed in a certain way and your hands holding the feet in different ways. And, and the stuttering just goes away or the dyslexia just goes away. It was, it was really something. And then there's also that wonderful uh, realization that has been recently entering into our human consciousness about our thoughts and how important our thoughts are. The wonderful work of Bruce Lipton in epigenetics is what it's called. And he wrote that book, The Biology of Belief. And it's how our thoughts can actually cover up our genes so that they are not being expressed or they can uncover our genes so that they are being expressed. And actually, our thoughts actually have an effect on our DNA. And this is so important for us to realize. And so thoughts like, that wasn't so bad, or I'll be all right, are much different than thoughts like, oh, I'm always doing everything wrong, or oh, I'll never get this, or what if I get sick and die, or whatever these thoughts are that we tend to carry. So it brings more importance to that whole idea of loving ourselves enough to treat ourselves kindly with our thoughts and to be kind with our thoughts. And that's what was so profound about that movie that I'm sure many of you saw, What the Bleep uh, what the bleep was, uh, and you can get it on DVD as well. And they're talking about, in that movie, about rewiring our brain, about actually changing our thoughts, and how the thoughts that we habitually visit are the ones that are easiest for our brain to go to. And so making a change can require a commitment or some sort of a big event that's very profound, that has a major effect on us, so that we don't think those same old thoughts again if they're not serving us well. And so that's uh, that's something to just be aware of, to, to uh, be aware of our habitual thought patterns. And then as well, there's a wonderful book that I got years and years ago. It's called All Women Are Healers. And it was written by Diane Stein. And she speaks in there about various types of laying on of hands. And, you know, we learn this as a small child. You fall down and you skin your knee. What's the first thing we do? We put our hand on it, you know, and then we want Mommy to give it a kiss. And that's part of the healing. You know, our hands are healing and our intentions are healing. And she also talks about reflexology, which is where we, um, again, probably using largely the meridian points, we go around the body and we find these various pressure points that can be used to uh, stimulate various aspects of the body or dampen down various uh, in influences in the body. And another healing modality is polarity, where you're using the positive and negative charge of the body, which can vary from the left lower quadrant to the right upper quadrant, that sort of thing. And uh, it's a, these are lovely various methods of healing each other and working together for our, 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 our wonderful energy flow in our bodies. Another one that Diane Stein talks about and many other texts and books talk about as well is crystal healing. And, you know, we know from the crystal radio, the diode, crystal diode in radios, that crystals are capable of transmitting energy and moving energy. And different stones have different metaphysical properties, like rose quartz is known for love, or amethyst is known for understanding that there is no death and for enhancing our dream world. And... Um, carnelian helps with communication and so does 
blue lace agate. And so we can use these stones and lay them on the body to help energize the various aspects of healing that we're looking for. And then as well, there are many of our listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with Reiki. Uh, that's spelled R-E-I-K-I. And that's a wonderful healing modality where we allow ourselves to be like a hollow tube to just let the energy of the universe come through us and into the bodies of whoever we are laying our hands on. And there are various hand positions that people learn when they are trained in Reiki and various places that they that they will put their hands on the body and different ways that they'll put the, the hands. Like sometimes the hands are close together, side by side. Sometimes the hand might be one on top of the stomach and one behind the low back so that the energy moves through the body and through the hands. And all of the positions are... Uh, done in a way that the practitioner is comfortable and cared for in their own body so that they are comfortable while they're doing the work. And Reiki is a wonderful healing art, and I strongly encourage anyone who hasn't experienced it to go ahead and experience it because it's it's really a beautiful healing modality. Now, I had a dear friend, Cassandra, who was an animal communicator, and often when she would go out and do her animal communications, she might be meeting, you know, maybe a owner of a horse in a barn or something. And she would, uh, after doing a little communication with the animal and with the owner to kind of assure everybody of whatever their questions were, she would often do a little Reiki as well. She was also a Reiki master. And so the horse might be standing in the barn alley there and she'd place her hands in various places on the horse's back and on the legs and around on the neck and whatnot. And the various animals from the farm would all inevitably come up, you know, the dogs and the cats and the other horses would stick their heads out their stall doors and hang them relaxed and they would just be soaking up the extra Reiki energy that was sort of traveling through this horse from Cassandra's hands from the universe and then just sort of spilling out into the barn alley. And it was so sweet to see everybody just go into this mesmerized bliss with this lovely Reiki energy floating around. So maybe you can show our next slide now, Cindy. And this is one that we showed at the tail end of last week, but we really didn't get a chance to really soak it in deeply. So here it is for all of you again now. And this slide is a quote from Barbara DeAngelis, and she says, Love is a force more formidable than any other. It is invisible. It cannot be seen or measured, yet it is powerful enough to transform you in a moment and offer you more joy than any material possession could. And sometimes these quotes are worth reading twice, so I'm going to read this one again. Love is a force more formidable than any other. It is invisible. It cannot be seen or measured. Yet it is powerful enough to transform you in a moment and offer you more joy than any material possession could. And, you know, I think that's really so true. Uh, years ago I saw a film about uh, life in India, and it was called City of Joy. And even though many of the people there didn't have very many possessions, they were rich with joy because they were rich with love. And it's really a wonderful thing, isn't it? Hmm, definitely is. Like we're all coming to the realization that the ma- weapons of mass distraction, yeah. and the, the poles of the culture towards the material have not satiated our longings for something deeper, which is something that's always available, but our attention has been pulled away from it. So. Yeah. This is certainly something I see you continually pointing us back to on your program. Yeah. I want to thank you for that. And and we do have someone that would like to speak with you, Josephine. I'll open the line for Great. a caller uh, using Skype. Lovely. Welcome to the Hello, jo- Hello, Josephine. Hey. And Cindy. Is this Hi, Carl? This is, yeah, this is Carl from Australia calling. Oh, thanks for calling, Carl. How nice to hear your voice. Hey, well, it's wonderful to speak with you, and and, and the best of the season to all. Um, I was I was currently deep in the middle of a kitchen remodel, and um, actually, I'm listening to your show, <laughs> and I, I, I and you're talking about uh, Reiki and auras and things like that, and I just had a quick little story about how I came upon uh, uh, similar modes of awareness and healing really by accident. 
Um, as a young man, I was a potter, and um, and so I developed the ability to. I had really strong hands to wedge clay, and also to to uh, the delicacy needed to to form uh, clay, uh, or let the clay be formed uh, on on the potter's wheel. And um, um, uh, uh, in my late twenties, I began uh, giving lots of massages and. Um, I, I realized that you know massaging and 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 um, modeling clay were very very similar, uh, yeah. and it, it it it's the same sort of it, the the intuitive hand to to be able to sculpt as well as to massage, and there was a kind of equal uh, play there. And um, as I gave more massage, I I would give a, a, a type of shiatsu massage. And I began realizing that as prior to the the uh, uh, person uh, lying on the table, I would hover my hands above them, and I would I would definitely get these uh, inner uh, the the energy I could feel the energy coming off of the person's uh, body, and it would be you know it would be uh, kind of almost like magnets, you know, it, it would kind of be light and, and bounce back supportive or it would, there would be a very heavy drain and, or there would be nothing at all. But where there, when there were times of heavy drain, uh, the, the person, the person was usually ill or they were very upset. Yeah. So I took note of this and I just sort of said, well, um, and that, that kind of told me, you know, what type of massage was needed. Well, I began to develop this 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 uh, this fence with my hands to the point where um, if someone came in and they were very sick and they didn't know it, the the hands would actually diagnose it. And yeah. I had one case where I had a friend come over, um, and she would come over, you know, once a month for a massage. And um, as I gave her the massage, rather than the light bouncy feeling, there was this huge draw. Uh, downward draw on my hands, and my hands became very heavy. And I said, "Are you feeling well?" And she says, "No, no, I, I haven't been been feeling quite well. I have a bit of an ache, uh, you know, on my low back." So as I proceeded with the massage, that ache became more and more um, became more and uh, more uh, painful. And when I asked her, "Is it like any pain you've ever felt?" and she said, "No," then I said, "Then we're going to the hospital." And she mm-hmm. really didn't want to go to the hospital at that point. But I insisted, you know, putting her in the car and taking her downtown to the hospital. And it turned out that she had a fully inflamed um, uh, kidney. The tubes that connect the kidney to the urethra were, were completely inflamed. And the doctor said that, well, you know, if you didn't take care of this today, you could have had a fully infected kidney. Wow. So, um, yeah, that, and I, I just, just by accident, I came across that in the sense that as you practice, as you say, as you practice more and more and more, you really get in touch with these subtle energies. And uh, just as I was getting good at it, I, I had to leave, and I come here to Australia where when you offer somebody a massage, you know, uh, that English reserve says, well, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so, uh, but... Um, and I really miss, you know, kind of connecting back with people uh, in that in that very healing, uh, uh, loving manner. And and just uh, also on the um, on the issues of the chakras, I thought I'd mention that um, Joseph Campbell gave a wonderful series of lectures uh, on the chakras, and it's in his Mythos Two uh, series, and it was called The Way to Illumination. And he goes through the Kundalini yoga and the, and, the, and the seven chakras and goes through the psychology of the gods and the various gods that are representative of these various chakras. It's a fascinating, absolutely illuminating discussion uh, from a mythology point of view and just from a general interest point of view. Well, that's fabulous, um, Carl. Thank you so, so much. So I thought I'd leave you with that. And, and one last thing, uh, your mention of rainbows, uh, always keep in mind that when... When you see a rainbow, the rainbow is actually emanating from you because the 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 appearance of the rainbow depends upon the um, uh, the angle of the viewer. 
So if oh. you see a rainbow and you call somebody across town and you say, do you see that beautiful rainbow? They won't see it oh. because it depends upon your particular angle to the to, uh, to the rainbow itself. And so it, literally the rainbow needs you to be where you are in order for that rainbow to exist. So in a way, you're emanating it. Oh, that's wonderful. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, thank you, thank, thank you, you, Justine, for your wonderful program and everything you do and and uh, and, and delving in courageously into the mysteries uh, of this world and all that's in it. Oh, well, thank you, Carl, so much for sharing your beautiful ideas and, and your experience also, too. It's wonderful about your hands. That's how Cassandra's hands were. They, she could also yeah. feel with her hands. Some of us have that beautiful psychic gift. It's a telekinetic gift. It, that's a, it's an understanding, a psychic understanding that happens through the sense of feeling or telekinesis. So that's really, really wonderful. And thanks so much for taking a little break from your kitchen remodel to call in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, keep up the good work. Hopefully I won't cut off all my fingers here. Oh, no, no. Be very careful with those fingers. They're intuitive hands. You need those hands. <laughs> okay. Much love. Thank you. Thanks for your call. <laughs> much love to you, too. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye, Carl. Thank you so much. That was fun. It's just really such an interesting coincidence. I had uh, spent this whole early part of my day with a friend from Australia, so it feels... <laughs> Like Aussie day here for me, <laughs> a lot of this so yummy energy. But Josephine, we are um, getting close to the end already, and yeah. I know there's quite a bit more you want to cover. So tell me which parts you'd like to continue well, on with and uh, make sure we fit in before we end. I'd love to go ahead and jump ahead to a little breathing exercise because a good friend of mine, Rose, who's a really devoted listener, called this in. She wrote this week to remind me about the importance of breath and breathing as an energy balancer. Mm. And she said that what she said, what fascinates me about the breath is that it brings stillness immediately, instantaneously, and that in this breath there is a pinpoint where each of us comes to our stillness and paying attention when we are taking that breath, you can personally feel that spot, which is your own personal spot. By that, it brings self. That by itself, she says, brings me to my knees, knowing I'm connected to the universe. Ah, oh, wow. And, you know, I really want to thank you so much, Rose, for the reminder, because it it is really such an important energy balancer. I mean, just if we all just take just one little breath right now, you know, hmm. And I'm reminded of that beautiful Thich Nhat Han quote. And Cindy, maybe you can show that slide for us. It's our 10th slide today. And it says, and I've shared this slide before because it's so beautiful to me. It's one of my favorite quotes. And he, right there is, there is that still point, that point of self-love and that awareness of self, and then also the oneness. And the quote goes like this. Breathing in, I calm my body. Breathing out, I smile. And so let's practice that together right now. Breathing in, I calm my body. There's the still point. Breathing out, I smile. Isn't that lovely? And we can really feel our sense of self right in there. And now I'd like to just go real quickly into just a little three conscious breaths exercise. Or, you know, just breathing, just a simple three breaths, nothing else, just being conscious, just allowing ourselves to breathe. So go ahead and get comfortable and Put your feet flat on the floor if you're sitting, and don't do this while you're driving. Save it for later. (laughs) And go ahead and close your eyes, and let's just take a couple of relaxed and easy breaths. And now just uh, begin these three conscious breaths. And let the air move in through the nose and out through the mouth. And become aware of that still point between the breaths. between the in-breath and between the out-breath. And feel your ribcage move as you breathe. And allow yourself to find an awareness of yourself. Noticing the rising and the falling. 
And then allow yourself to just come back to your normal waking consciousness. And we're going to do a little more on breath in the new year. But go ahead and <clears throat> just relax and move your body a little bit. And I'd love to encourage you to continue this little exercise of just three conscious breaths on through this, you know, busy holiday season. Uh, Rose, you know, also mentioned in her little note to me that, you know, I have this wonderful daily routine that I do of dream interpretation and prayer and meditation and breathing. And it takes a little time and it's sort of a habit that takes a while to get started. But if you don't have a routine like that, you can always start with the breath. It's such an easy way for us to really center and balance ourselves. And I'm, I'm sure you all can feel, you know, a little more centered and balanced right now just from that little exercise. So that's great. And then also, too, maybe if we have time, perhaps you can share that wonderful quote that Einar sent in to us today, Cindy. Hmm, sure. Good. Beautiful quote. I would love to share it from uh, Glenda Green Yeshua. The sharing of adamantine particles is the breath of life, Jesus said. There is an ongoing exchange of these particles throughout existence. They not only comprise organic life, but also the planet, the wind, and every substance that is. Everything breathes for the whole of its duration. Inhaling and exhaling, these particles bring vital balance and connections to life. To one who is attuned, an illness is clearly revealed through irregularities in the breath of life. In the presence of love, a natural rebalance occurs. This is how the laying on of hands can help to restore health to another, such as the power of healing touch or even a simple hug. This really exemplifies what Carl was sharing. Yes, it does. It does indeed, doesn't it? Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And it just amazes me how fast time flies. I do want to share a few things before we close. And sure. uh, I'd like to just thank everybody for showing up today. And if you're listening to the replay, that's that counts as showing up. I'd like to remind you that you can visit Josephine's website at stepintomagic.com and retrieve all of the archives from the many wonderful shows. Also, if you're listening to the replay, send your comments in to the website at the contact page so that we know that you're tuning in and uh, we can stay in touch with you that way. And um, are there any parting words, Josephine, that you'd like to share? In closing, I'd just like to thank all of you so very, very much for giving me the gift of your time. And I'd like to finish with this little blessing. So let's just take a breath, one of those nice, relaxed and easy breaths and find that still point that's there and just let these words just flow over you like a little waterfall. As our gifts are given in love, they are received in love and we honor their wise use and their increase for all concerned. And so it is. Thanks again mm, for the gift so of your is. time. Yeah, and so it mm. is. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to host you. Thank you. It's an honor to be asked. And thank you to everyone listening. We hope you've enjoyed the show on tending to our energy, clearing and balancing our subtle body. This is Josephine's shows are always archived. There are more than 80 of them now. She's also posting them on podcasts. And you can visit stepintomagic.com, find the podcast on iTunes listed under Josephine Lang. That's spelled L-A-I-N-G. We look seen. I wanted to thank you for being in my life and the wonderful role model that you are and always clear insights you have and just such a generous soul you are. Oh, thank you, Cindy. Well, right back at you. It takes one to know one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right so on. thank you, darling. It's really wonderful. And, and um to all of our listeners, both Cindy and I wish you all insight, wisdom, and magic as you pursue the journey of inner knowing. And just know that I hold you all in light and in love. And thank you so much for listening. This is